Hello, you crazy cats. Welcome to the Ride on Track podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things Thomas the Tank Engine and the Railway Series galore. I'm here for a good time and I hope you are as well, but I'm not joined alone uh, here. I'm referred to as Denim, but I'm also joined by... Connor Jonas and Tom Parry, or just Parry, to make things easier for all of us. Yeah, you see, I, I'm the smart one. I'm the only one with a different name. I'm here going Tom Squared. It's like, and Connor? Yeah. To right. be fair, it's not our fault. Our parents gave us this name. And we've just sort of run Listen, with it. Listen, okay, time travel is possible. It's true. We, uh, I was chatting to someone about the podcast um, early this week. Uh, one of the people in the office at uh, Cinefam, and they said, I love the fact that there's two people named Tom on the Thomas the Tangerjim podcast. So there is merit where it's skewed. Yes, yes, Thomas, Tom, Tom. Tommy, Tomo. Just yeah. Tom everywhere. We've been called everything and anything you can think of, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it's true, but it's Parry and Denim while we're here on Right on Track because we want to make things easy for you listeners at home and for us as well as we chat all things Thomas. We've got an awesome episode lined up. We're going to be chatting about all things uh, Toby the Tram Engine. Yes! So that's going to be great. Uh, we have uh, Toby and the Stout Gentleman coming up first and then uh, we have Dirty Objects. Uh, no, Dirty Objects is the third, I stand corrected, and then Thomas and Trouble in the middle there, then then dirty objects so it's going to be hoose it's going to be fun it's going to be a ding dangly good time but first we have uh some listeners emails that we uh want to bring to the table um parry do you have them with you uh yes i do so one of our uh, regular listeners will keep him anonymous for now we'll just identify these male and our loyal listener has messaged us with a theory about henry the green engine Oh, awesome. So his belief is that Henry's odd shape and his illness is a result of him being a combination of two different engines. So the original engineer slash designer found these illustrations of Henry and decided to steal them to make his own train. And by the time he realised his mistake, the engine had been created. Oh, that's so cool. I I, I do like that because it has been confirmed that Henry is an experimental Mm. engine. Mm. Um, I just really want to know the larger story behind it, especially because even though he's in his new shape now, Mm. he uh, still needs special coal every now and then. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Even though he's been to crew and been repaired, he's still mm. ill much but, of the time, at least in the television series lore. Yeah, but one thing I did bring up was, you know, the reason why is because uh, it was the start of World War Two mm-hmm. at the Flying Kipper accident. Mm. So, of course, they need to quickly get him repaired and they didn't really do that good a job. Hmm. There are stories in the later end of the Railway series as well, like Henry Sees Red and um, the whole Henry the Express Engine book where he is struck down by illness as well. So it's Mm. not just the TV series where that occurs. It becomes a a common characteristic for him. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Henry today. Right now we're talking about our favourite non-electric tram. (laughs) It's Toby the Tram Engine with our first episode, Toby in the Stout. Gentlemen. A lady and a stout gentleman stood on Toby's platform. He was, of course, the fat controller, but Toby didn't know this yet. Come on, Grandfather, cried the children. Do look at this engine. That's a tram engine, Stephen, said the fat controller. Is it electric? asked Bridget. Hush! hissed Toby. Shh, shh, said her brother. You've offended him. But trams are electric aren't they? They are mostly, but this is a steam tram. May we go in it, Grandfather? Please? Stop, said the fat controller to the guard. They all scrambled into Henrietta. Hip, hip, hooray, chanted Henrietta. But Toby did not sing. Electric indeed, electric indeed, he snorted. He was very hurt. As I was watching this episode the other day, uh, one of the things I love about this episode particularly, and probably why I'm going to lean it more towards my favouritism as well, uh, visually it's very interesting because everything is so secluded and far distant from everything that we've seen in Season 1 so far. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the scenery of this episode, it's unlike anything else that we've seen. So it doesn't look very Island of Sodor-y. It, it, and... It's got lots of rocks everywhere mm. and then lots of shrubbery and then just marshland every now and then. It's really good. But, yeah, this is Toby the Stout Gentleman or for our American viewers, Toby the Tram Engine. Yeah, that's exactly right. And as we heard in our little clip there, Bridget asked whether he was electric. Most trams are electric, like yeah. the ones in Melbourne are. But it was not so long ago... Well, well, relatively, in in the context of how old the universe is, that steam trams were a thing. Yes. But they found that they couldn't work in the cities because they were too noisy and they'd spook the horses. So that's why they decided to go electric. But, of course, Toby's on his own branch line, so it doesn't really matter if he's a steam tram or an electric tram. In fact, it's probably better that he's a steam tram. What's actually interesting, as you mentioned how it spooked the horses, was that there are experimental trams that looked like horses <laughs> that oh would goodness. go along. It, it had some use in um, San Fran and California mm. and, you know, the hilly tram areas mm. where they would sometimes also have, you know, fake poop coming out. <laughs> of Just, course, those yeah. metallic clunk. <laughs> <laughs> but that I find is really interesting because I recognise the shape of a horse moving along, it's fine. But, um... Of course, you know, Toby's a steam tram. He's actually inspired by a J70 tram. And um, he is actually inspired by a real trip to uh, Fish Quay at Great Yarmouth. Uh, and the exact day is the 30th of August, 1951, which is where Christopher Audrey and his father, the Reverend Wilbert Audrey, saw steam tram for the first time. Hmm. And what's That's actually awesome. Re- yeah, and what's interesting is that the book Toby the Tram Engine actually came out a year afterwards in 1952. Wow. So, you know, Toby, I feel the experience with Toby in this story here is very much real and authentic because it is, you know, based on another real encounter, much like uh, James and the Top Hat railway mm. book. But yeah. <laughs> now... Um, one interesting note that I've got about this episode is how, like, as you said, Parry, mm. it's so isolated. Toby's really the only character. Toby uh, and Henrietta, yeah. 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 Like, of course, you've got, well, the stout gentleman, but that is, of course... Uh, Sir Topham Hat. Yes, yeah. Sir Topham Hat, <laughs> Fat Controller. also the first episode we see Lady Hash and the grandchildren. Yes, Bridget and Stephen, which is the only time that you refer to by name mm. until uh, the 19th series. Ooh. Yeah, wow. Is that so, Henry Spot's Trouble? Yes. It's such a good episode. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, one day. Eventually. Years from now. <laughs> when we're on our pension. I don't know I don't know what eventually means, but it sounds like a very long time. <laughs> but, yeah. One of the interesting things um, about this story and this character from a railway series and TV series standpoint is that uh, Christopher Audrey cites that Toby was Wilbur Audrey's favourite character. Is that oh, so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 70th anniversary documentary, everyone who's been vox-popped uh, goes around and Christopher says, yeah, Toby was father's favourite. And uh, it's interesting because he's not one who features in the show so much anymore, no. but he definitely has a very eccentric quality about him. And I think the... I, I, I would say it's safe to say that probably the real-life interaction that you uh, spoke about, Connor, uh, mm. probably may have something to do with that as well. Yeah, because, you know, he's a very real character, and I feel from, you know, relating to Reverend Wilbert, um, he is very much that old, wise character mm. um, who, you know, he, he, he was lonely working by himself, mm. And he saw lots of trouble and then he saw overcame it in very much the Toby way. He did. Indeed he did. Now, one of the interesting things that always, not confused me about this episode, but I theorise about, but I think I come to conclusions as well, but I want to ask you both your opinions about it. Does this episode take place on Sodor and where? 
or does it exist on the mainland? Well, there is a song that is associated with this episode, which has been released on VHS and DVD, mm. which suggests that Toby comes from the north of the island, so at the very north of the island of Sodor. But in the books, it's alluded to that he's from the, the other railway, so the mm. mainland, Great Britain. A- and then there's also, um, such as Toby's Seaside Holiday, mm. that story, he's actually got LNER on his um, side plates, mm. which means he was originally a mainland engine. Mm. I personally like to feel that he is from the mainland. Yeah. Because I feel that suits it so much better, a lot more realistic in the wider series. Mm. However, from the TV series standpoint, we do see, you know, Thomas going around that little rocky lake area mm. and then you know, later there's even mention of it um, as, oh, well, what's your favourite station, Percy? Arlesdale End. That's my home. Yeah, that's why I like it when you're there, not here. Uh, yes, mm. that's a fair point. So it is mentioned in the TV series that it is actually part of Sodor, much to my annoyance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so sadly, I would say it is north of the island. However, I feel that it shouldn't. <laughs> I reckon both theories can work because, as you said, uh, Connor, uh, we are aware that Toby used to belong to the LNER. But what I like to think in my head canon, again... Um, the head canon. The head canon um, is that Toby worked for the LNER in his capacity um at the harbours with his mm. brothers. Um, so the book series stuff still happened in his timeline. And then at some point when those lines closed down, he was bought by an independent railway that happened to be on the island of Sodor that was separate from the NWR. Yes. And then maybe had some kind of coincided or a little with the Sodor Midland Railway because it's kind of up that way as well. But Toby's railway happens up there. Because in season 10 or 11, I think, there's an episode where Toby kind of has a bit of an identity crisis of who he is, and then he finds the old Sodal tramway. Tramways. And I think it's from there on. Or No, season 5. Season 5, we see his old shed again. Yes. I think at some point uh, off screen, the Fat Controller decides to build a connection back to where um, Toby's original line was and salvage it as a part of the NWR, maybe over the side of where the SMR took place. It's a very loose theory, but it's one that kind of makes my inner fanboy happy that two can both exist at once. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll help build on that with okay. you. As um, I recently... Uh, recently, one of my first theories that I wrote on my big Google document, which is now pushing on 60 pages. It's a great read. Go find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one of the very first ones, I was researching the abandoned station from Oliver's Find. And I determined it was an independent station connected to farms and paddocks. And it had to be a tram engine um, that had two-way facing cab because there were no sidings and coaches there to Mm. help move it around. And then, of course, as you said, from Toby's special surprise, um, there's the Sodor Tramways logo, which has actually got a picture of a J70 tram with the number seven on it. Now, forgetting that it's got the number seven, because mm. that would mean that Toby had the number seven before he arrived on Sodor and so on, and that's... Does so that mean that there were multiple trams on Sodor and Toby was the last one? I would like that. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Someone go make this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- you see, that is um, a spin-off to Tobias and the Half Pariah. Spin-off series now. <laughs> but, yeah, Toby's a well-loved character. He is, and I think there's something quite naturally jovial about Toby, almost so much so than Edward. I think mm. they kind of share this wistful, um, mellow age that, um, mm. yeah, it carries out nicely in different parts of the railway. Like, um, they interact a bit here and there, which we'll discuss later on in season two, but um, Toby is very much 
the wisdom of Thomas's branch line as he soon later joins. Yes. Old but, and wise and charming. Absolutely. That's Toby. Well, what, what's interesting is we don't actually get the proper connection to the Fafakwa branch line until series two. Mm. And that's really where the Toby, Thomas and Percy dynamics start to build up. Mm. Indeed it does. Now, we've talked a lot about Toby himself, but not really about the episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Of course, As we get carried away with quite a bit. Yeah, mm. so um, Toby and the Stout Gentleman, the plot is pretty much uh, Toby runs his own tram line, the Fat Controller visit. Months pass, but of course in the book it alludes to the fact that years pass mm. be- yes. between uh, the events of this episode and the next one. And we get to Toby's last day. He's very sad to go, and all the passengers are sorry to see him go as well. And then he goes to bed that night in his shed, wondering if he'll ever goes be loved to bed. again. Goes to bed. You know, goes, wow. goes to sleep. It's you got know. really dark. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so he rests in his shed, and the yep, very yep. next morning, his driver and fireman wake him up and say, we've got a letter from the stout gentleman, and then, of course, we move on to the next episode. Yes. So, so th- this is almost a two-parter, you could it say. Is, yeah, mm, very much. Um, as this does tie into the next episode, Thomas in trouble, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, I really like how Toby's the only character in this, apart mm. from Henrietta, mm. who has seen better days. Mm. But Henrietta being, of course, Toby's loyal coach. Yes, mm. coach, um, brake van almost, mm. because Henrietta's also got like a break. And what's interesting is that Henrietta does speak. Mm. However, Henrietta doesn't have a face until the CGI series. Mm. Season 18, mm. which so, I think is Thomas and the Quarry Engine. Thomas the Quarry Engine, my mistake. You mm. you know these off the top of your head, and that impresses me. Everything from season 18 onwards, I just froth for days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. And I feel that adds to the charm of this episode. Mm-hmm. I really want to see more stories that are just singular characters. Yeah. Because, you know, I think they work well, and it's brilliant character development episodes. Mm. Granted, not much does happen action-wise. True. But it does have the, you know, the closing of his branch line, which is really mm. sad. And It's a green story. It mm. is. But Toby's theme, though... It's oh. so weird, which is interesting noting it was planned to be the original theme tune. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's an interview with Mike O'Donnell and he said, originally we planned for Toby's theme arrangement to be the Thomas the Tangent theme tune and then the Thomas theme was the second option and that would have been Toby's theme. Oh. That is most interesting. A little bit of trivia for you there. But the thing is, is that now we're never going to be able to actually properly experience how that will be because of course you know we've grown up going that's thomas's theme that's toby's theme yeah oh i want that parallel universe someone make it happen on youtube make an yes. edit i want toby the tram episode. engine in france <laughs> oh well it will happen. actually that's another interesting point because in this episode some of the b-roll footage has toby and henrietta going past the same windmill that we see in the opening sequence. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Which then again does allude to the existing on Sodor. That is true, yes. Yeah. But once again, I don't like it. Okay, ranking, guys. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, rankings. So for me, it's a charming little story. It has got grim parts. Not much action does happen. But Parry, as you've said, it's got wonderful scenery. Mm. Some of the most unique in the show that I want to see brought back in mm. CGI form. Mm. Uh, it's a one character moving story. For me, this is a solid 7.5 for me. Hmm. Well, I'm looking at a 7 out of 10 for this one. Mm. So everything you've said is just absolutely spot on. We've got the scenery, we've got the music. There's a little bit of grimness to the story. Of course. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed it's a two-parter, though. You know, you just leave us on a cliffhanger. How <laughs> dare you? And Denim, what about you? 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's anything I could change about this episode, I'd know why it's there, but... I would change this ever so slightly. I would end the story at nobody wants me and then he went unhappily to sleep. (laughs) And then have uh, that bit from the end of the episode halfway through Thomas in Trouble. 
I think, I don't know, for me, just because I love anything dark and macabre, that would just make my life happy. And I know that they made that mistake in um, A Sad Story for Henry and realised the fault of their ways. But so in the US dub, they made it. But he'll, he'll come out soon, don't worry. Soon, <laughs> just stick around. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot to love about this episode. There's emotion from both the end of uh, Toby and Henrietta. I love the elusiveness behind the Fat Controller, who we're not really... Toby doesn't really know who he is, but yes. we know as the audience who he is, and we know he's going to do something good. And I think that's enough to tease the audience that Toby's going to have a happy ending. Yeah, I want to see an episode with that grim ending, actually, because that yeah. just it it just makes the whole episode better. Just I think. just an easy enough cut at the yes. end, mm. and then you know may... add a bit more B roll to you know get it up the five minutes. And instead... I would have the sad theme at the end yeah, the... and just oh, painting out the yard. That's the one. Mm. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so, Parry, what's the next episode? So, the next episode we have is Thomas in Trouble, and as we'll see in this clip, Thomas the Tank Engine is along his branch line. Obviously, you you will hear it, won't see it, but we're watching it right now, and he is introducing himself to the new constable along his line. Disgracefully spluttered. I didn't sleep a wink last night. It was so quiet, and now engines come whistling suddenly behind me. I'm sorry, sir, said Thomas. I only said good morning. A policeman pointed to Thomas. Where's your cow catcher, he asked. But I don't catch cows, sir. Don't be funny, snapped the policeman. He looked at Thomas's wheels. No side plates either. And he wrote in his notebook. Engines going on public roads must have their wheels covered and a cow catcher in front to protect people and animals from being dragged under the wheels if they stray onto the line. You haven't, so you are dangerous. Rubbish, said Thomas's driver. We've been along here hundreds of times and never had an accident. That makes it worse, the policeman answered. He wrote regular lawbreaker in his book. Thomas puffed sadly away. There we are. So as we heard in that clip, the policeman was asking, where's your cow catchers and side plates? And, of course, Toby has cow catchers and side plates. Yes. And that is how, eventually, the conflict is resolved in the episode because the Fat Controller goes, hold on, I know an engine with cow catchers and side plates. Let's bring it in here. Yeah, so, of course, what happens is that after Thomas has introduced himself and the policeman has written... Twice on his notepad, regular lawbreaker. <laughs> Just to make the point clear. Yes. Yeah, no, th- th- that's honestly one thing about this episode that annoys me mm. a bit because they show, you know, he writes down in his notepad and you can clearly see regular lawbreaker. And then, you know, and then he wrote down in his notepad, regular lawbreaker. Mm. And then you see the shot again except it's just close up Mm. and that really irks me I know as a child it confused me and now it just flat out annoys me Mm. that just move the camera a little bit have it panning upwards so you can see the you know notepad in his hand well you know spend an extra 50p on (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but of course after he's gotten in trouble um which you know, actually, the American title for this episode is Thomas Breaks the Rules, mm-hmm. as he always seemed to, but... Um, <laughs> no matter. The Fat Controller is having breakfast when his butler comes in. A butler? I didn't know he had a butler. <laughs> yeah, it's the only time we really see him or he's spoken about. Um, we've got a wonderful portrait of Ernest, another engine on the wall that's never really been spoken about. Bob Golgoli is creation. <clears throat> Ooh. Yeah. yeah, he just made it up and someone asked him one day, who's it called? And he just said, Ernest. Ernest. <laughs> um, and then when going, I'm sorry, you know, Thomas, we just need to make those cow catches and side plates for you. And then Thomas goes, it'll make me look like a tram. Mm. And then, of course, Sir Topham Hat goes, mm. Ah. Mm. Uh-huh. Well I think of this before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that's how Toby gets brought along with, Henrietta, hope hope you don't mind, mm. sir, but mm. she was going to be turned into a hen house. Good and that will never do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 
I like how they allude to the fact mm. on they were going to just straight up recycle and kill off this character. Just mm. so light-handedly, just by the way. It just turn you into better a better keep house. my missus with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, what do you guys think? Like, okay, it's controversial asking about relationships, quote unquote. But mm. do you say do you see Toby and Henrietta as brother and sister as mother and son son um you know father and daughter no they're lovers lovers <laughs> i'm going to go with it since hasty hannah they just outright went with that right no i, I say i see them as siblings you know similar to thomas with annie and clarabel yeah. you know they they're just inseparable at this point because they've been through so much together yeah mm. yeah there's this beautiful bit in said as episode hasty hannah or two great scenes uh, where uh, Henrietta has to go be repaired and Toby's given another coach in that time mm. and he's moaning to Thomas. He goes, oh, I'm missing Henrietta so much. And he goes, oh, how how's long has it been? And he goes, oh, only 20 minutes. <laughs> and then later on, they're reunited again and there's this moment where there's kind of birds flying around and rainbows and it's a very kind of Disney-esque <laughs> love at first sight moment. And I'm like, yeah, they're in love. <laughs> right. Henrietta. Toby. Henrietta. Toby. Henrietta. To- Hannah. Hello, Henrietta. <laughs> One of my favourite parts about this episode is when Toby's going down the tramway. I know what you're alluding to. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and, and he rings the bell and the policeman's like, Oh, oh you! <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the my favourite things, mm. and um, did Ringo do that? I, he would have to have done. Yeah, I, it doesn't sound like him, but it has to be him, surely. Yes, um, looking up, um, of this in both the narrations when the policeman has shouted, "Oi, you!" Mm. Um, it is said by a background voice, um, even though it was actually, you know, star, but mm. it. So doesn't sound like him. It, it does. It's more gruff. It mm. does. I don't Which know, I love. I don't know whether it is actually Ringo. And, because, and it, it oh. sounds a bit southern as well. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have that Liverpudlian accent to it. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it doesn't actually credit anyone else as Oi You. Mm. But <laughs> the most famous line in season one. But that, that's like what they do in the Zucker Abrahams and Zucker movies. You know, rather than say what the names of the characters are, they just attribute quotes to them and yes. put the actor's name next to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Please, somebody do this. <laughs> but, you know, that's one thing I like about this episode. It's so unique in the fact that it may have an alternate voice actor hmm. partnered um, with it. Yes, and uh, there is some conflict alluded to at the end of the episode between Toby and Thomas, but it's only mm. briefly. And it's kind of disappointing we don't get to see that. You know, for an episode at least. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see Thomas trying to come to grips with the fact that this new engine has come along and stolen his thunder. The way I see it is, I feel like Thomas being given a branch line doesn't help his ego. Mm. And when Toby comes along, it's kind of a anything you can do, I can do better syndrome. Yes. And mm. he tries to maybe outdo Toby, and then Toby goes, "Hey." What the flip? I'm here to just <laughs> help with your workload. And Thomas is like, okay. And then they just <laughs> get on fine. with it. Yep. Well, one thing I really do like about this episode is it, has, it hasn't even got a shot of the quarry, but it's got a shot of the quarry line mm. and the we, quarry bend. We don't actually get to see this quarry until season three when Mavis is in... No, no, sorry, I beg your pardon. There is a little bit we see in season two. Mm. Yeah, with Toby and Percy. Yeah. But I actually do believe that they've reused the set from Down the Mine as mm. the opening shot of Thomas with the three trucks and Annie and Clarabelle. Oh, yeah. Um, they go around a bend and there's, like, some scrap and barrels, mm. which is very much uh, the set dressing mm. that they had for the lead mines, which is yes. also on Thomas's branch line. Mm. I'd also like to point out this particular scenery we see in this episode it's mm. not used again either no. in the first season or anywhere else mine once. yeah i mean yeah. they easily could have been b-roll footage for the other engines but they haven't used it yeah I know. Mm. it's interesting what a, a, another thing i know there's a perfectly good explanation for it but what i definitely found interesting 
being younger watching this was seeing the consist of Thomas's train being three trucks and Annie and Clarabelle at the end. Mm. Instead of Annie and Clarabelle at the start and then three trucks. Yeah. Which, like, to me, it does create a very interesting shape because you've got the high of the locomotive and you've got the low of the trucks and then high of the coaches. Yeah. Mm. And it's evident that Annie and Clarabelle would be there to carry the quarry workmen. Mm. So... What are the rankings for this episode, guys? Well, looking at this episode, it's mostly narration rather than dialogue, and there's a lot of filler footage in there, so it's, mm. it's sort of like they're trying to space the episode out a little bit, and that's where the other story of Toby could come into it. You know, they could mm. bring back the fact that, you know, Toby's his other engine, his line is closed, and the fat controller wants him to come to his branch line. So... I would be looking at a six for this episode. And that's yeah. also considering that it doesn't sort of explore further the conflict between Thomas and Toby. You, you actually brought up an interesting point there mm. on how the fact controller goes, oh, I'll send a letter off right away. Mm. However, in Toby and the Stout Gentleman, you know, Toby's line has closed down and then literally that day and he receives the letter the next morning, the letter has arrived which means over the month of over the course of months and or years it's perfect coincidence that Toby just so happens to be out at, out of the job well, well the other alternative point to that is that the railway controller of that branch line had mm. known about it for months and they only told Toby and his crew the day after it happened so it was a planned closure because they knew that Toby was being sent away you know what i want to see happen uh, in some kind of sequence, Toby's driver locks up the shed and it just has a sequence of him getting in his car, driving home, rain's pouring down, and he puts his keys out on his table and then he just turns his head and sees the letter there and goes, <laughs> what the flip? And then looks at the letter and then it goes to that scene. And, 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 then, and then goes back, but no, 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 montage of him. Okay, you know, next morning we see him pick up the keys off the table, mm. go through the door, sun's now shining, driving in the car, <laughs> going to the shed, opening up. But if it was a planned closure, mm. why would they not tell Toby, don't worry, you're going to go to, you know, another island now, another railway, instead of going, yep, no one wants you now. You're locked up in the shed. Mean. They they're want mean to surprise him. People. Or maybe, you know, it just got surprise, lost. Surprise, your line's closing. <laughs> maybe it just got lost Lol. on the post. Maybe there was this huge pile at the station and the station master said, bills, 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 junk mail. Uh, pff, it can wait, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so for you, Parry, it's a six. Mm-hmm. I, uh, As you say, you know, mm. not much happens. I'm going for like a 5.5. It, it, it's... It's low. I feel like that it feels more of a Thomas story. It does, actually. Really, than a Toby one. Yeah. And I feel that if we added more of that, you know, trouble between Toby and Thomas, it probably would have worked out a little bit better. Mm. But, you know, it's still a great story. And it's got the Oi You, which is probably for me one of the only things lifting up that it may have a foreign voice actor in it (laughs) Denim? Um, I think I definitely enjoyed this episode Um, it's not as high as Toby and the Stout Gentleman for me but uh, I do actually really enjoy um, the more human interaction here we see the butler for once and once only, we see the policeman for once and once only and uh, we see Lady Hattigan and Ernest ever so slightly in the background um, but that all aside, I think it's an interesting story to understand uh, the politics of what's going on on the Northwestern Railway and elsewhere. So I reckon from a standpoint, it's interesting, but at the same time, it's a bit more low-key than what we had previously. So I'm going to give it about a 6.5. Yeah. Anyways, Denim, what's our little roundhouse rhythm that we have got coming after this. Oh, well, Connor, I'm glad you asked. There's only one way to do this, and that's uh, the song Toby. So we're going to chuck to that right now and have a quick little break, but we're going to be back later with one more episode. Stick around. We're going to have a fun time.
That was Toby's theme as composed by Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell for the original television series. Now, before we head into our third and final episode for today, I just want to mention quickly, because the policeman in Thomas and Trouble... Yes. It's sort of got this anti-authority message to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's an interesting depiction of a policeman. Yeah, sticking Mm. his nose in it, going, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you're breaking the law. And it kind of, you know, conflicts with the... The politics of Reverend Audrey, I think. Cause, it's very kind of Python-esque almost. Yeah, um, because in previous episodes, such as Trouble in the Shed, we've sort of hinted that he might be anti-unionist, leading towards conservative. But in oh. this one, you know, being against the policeman, that's sort of more a left-wing thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's really it, strange. It, it is very strange. However, I do think it was probably a really good way to bring in the idea of Toby that Mm. and it's got a very family vibe Mm. you know because everyone on railways um, always knew each other Mm. it's like you know a very close-knit neighborhood Mm. it's almost a bit of a Roald Dahlism and I say Mm. that in a lot of Roald Dahl stories all adults and authority figures are not necessarily the enemy but they're very Mm. antagonistic and the children and younger, innocent characters always reign over in some way or another. And it's very much applied here with Thomas and Toby and the policeman. Yes. Mm. And, of course, we would see in later stories, particularly in the Railway series, that the policemen, no, they were, in fact, friendly. You know, you could... Oh, yeah. yeah. That they're as much a part of the Railway as anybody else. It's just that this one didn't sleep a wink last <laughs> night. It was so quiet. And now engines come running up behind him. Which, isn't that sort of, like... A thing he wants. If it's too quiet, he can't get to sleep. And now it's loud, I, I, and, I think and, he, I, and he can't stay awake. I, Is I, that what I he's think, hinting? I think what he was trying to say was, I didn't sleep last night, and I was enjoying a quiet day. And now, ah. you know, this noisy engine comes along. But um, anyhow, we should get into our third and final episode. It is called Dirty Objects, and in the clip we're about to play you, James the Red Engine has referred to Toby and Henrietta by said. Ugh, what dirty objects, he would say. At last, Toby lost patience. James, he asked, why are you red? I am a splendid engine, answered James, ready for anything. You never see my paint dirty. Oh, said Toby innocently, that's why you once needed bootlaces to be ready, I suppose. James went redder than ever and snorted off. It was such an insult to be reminded of the time a bootlace had been used to mend a hole in his coaches. I'm glad they clarified that for us. So, of course, the episode that they're alluding to there is James and the Coaches, in which he had to have his train fixed with a pair of rubber bootlaces from a passenger. Quote-unquote railway inspector. A railway (laughs) inspector. Yes, indeed. So this is really puzzling to me because up until now we haven't known James to be a prejudiced engine at all. Yes. I mean, he looks at Toby and Henrietta and goes, oh, they're disgusting. I mean, but it... But it just comes out of nowhere. We, it Maybe been, there's a bit of Gordon influence there. Possibly, True. yes. But you would think that somewhere along the line they, they would have shown James to be a bit of a snob. Yes. Mm. But what I feel that this is more referencing to is more so, you know, James, he thinks, is all red and splendid. That's why he doesn't like working with trucks. Whilst... Toby and Henrietta, they are quite old. They probably have they probably haven't had a nice, you know, coat of paint and wash down for a while. You'd think that would be the first thing they do when they when, come when to they the arrive. island. arrive, yeah, yeah, probably. But I feel it's more of instead of James going, you know, oh, you know, look at you. It's more of a <laughs> Like, do you shower? Like, <laughs> it's almost a little bit racist. Yeah, a little bit. With well, the... well, James is racist. He hates diesels. Yeah, I know. Yes. He hates trams as well now. <laughs> but, um, so it would seem. Of course, in American titles, this is James in a Mess, which brings up another interesting point in this Toby trilogy because Thomas in Trouble was more Thomas' story and then still in the Toby trilogy is a... James story. It, it is a James story because much of the attention is placed on him. He takes a slow goods train yes. along the, the the main line 
and he's not concentrating. He's still thinking about Toby's comeback, essentially. Yeah. And then he crashes into a set of tire wagons. Yes. And who should come to the rescue but Toby? Oh, Toby. <laughs> but it is a really interesting um, sort of story, I feel, because mm. this is James's second la- long goods train that he's taken. Mm. Uh, first one being in Troublesome Trucks. Mm-hmm. And I feel the build-up to it is so well done mm. because, you know, slowly adding more and more. And then you see James leave, and there's just truck after truck after truck mm. right behind him. But uh, at his crash at Marin Station with the tar wagons, mm. two things confuse me about that. Mm. One, why were tar wagons on the main line? That's a good point. And two, why were the so why didn't the tar wagons just sort of like shift more forward? Be- because you know, understandable, a train hits something at high speed, bound to break it, maybe bounce up. But none of the tar wagons actually moved from their position; mm. they just sort of shifted a bit. Whilst considering that they're on the main line and there's a very heavy, lots of momentum train pushing right behind them. You'd think that some would be shot forward. You know who I think is at fault here? The signalman. It's always the signalman. It's Honestly, always the signalman. It, like, I'm pretty sure they bring back nap class like in kindergarten at, you know, the signalman school. It's probably a thing. But, um, yeah, it is a very James-esque story. Hmm. Which but, is interesting. And it's also his first on-screen crash. Yes. And it's a great crash. I love this so much. I think for the second crash that we see actually happen on screen, like we have Thomas Terrence in the snow, which yeah. is one thing, but that's kind of cut. Then we have the flying kipper, and then we have this. It's very, definitely very action-filled for me. Hmm. True. However, much like Thomas Terrence in the snow, you see, you know, the danger coming up, the tar wagons, and then it cuts to black, and then the next shot is the crashes already happened. Hmm. Mm. And that is always very disappointing, but of course they didn't want to break the models, they didn't want to, you know, have an over-the-top budget, which, once again, this episode, really good for the budget constraints on it. Absolutely. I think there's only one bit of B-roll footage, which is from uh, Troublesome Trucks, as Mm. James slowly goes up the hill. Definitely. And they actually covered the James model in some kind of tar or something. Mm, Some sort of black liquid. Yeah. Which is denser than most liquids. Yes, like paint or something. Mm. Um, Now, there isn't actually really that interesting real-life examples from this. Um, But, of course, you know, accidents happen all the time. Yeah, now I'm and sure again. Yeah. a train has run into a tire wagon at some point. Let's yeah. be honest. However, this crash, despite being a very, you know, in a Toby trilogy, once again is more often related to James and is always referenced. Mm. You know, the time James ran into some tire wagons. In fact, in a season 23 episode, Chuckle Some Trucks, that even did a CGI remake of it. So good. Yeah. So... It is a memorable crash. Hmm. It is really good. And, of course, Toby um, comes along to help James. Percy comes along to help. And then... Yeah, we get to see Percy again, which is nice. Yeah. We don't see a lot of him in season one. Hmm. He only really has one or two episodes focused on him, so it's nice to kind of see him in action. Hmm. And then, um, you know, Fat Control goes, you know, great job, uh... Toby, you get a brand-new coat of paint. Oh, my Henrietta get one too. Hmm. Yes, of course. And then they just all leave James there as both Toby and Percy he just looks so run sad. It. He does. And, and so he should, you know, it serves him right. Yeah. Yeah, it serves him right for what exactly? Oh, you know, being prejudiced against Toby and Henrietta. True. It does, I, yeah. I, I feel that the only thing that he did wrong was he didn't pin down the brakes. <laughs> which granted that is his fault. Mm-hmm. Be- and he was thinking about a comeback against Toby. However, mm. at the same time, the driver and fireman weren't thinking about a comeback against Toby. Well, that's a fair point. Yeah, mm. so his crew is as much as fault as he is. Exactly. Fault, which, 
interesting you bring that up because especially in season two episodes, we actually see one of the drivers go, oh, phew, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> one of my favourite things, it's an old iron. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. Mm. But this episode, I like it. It's got the crash. It's got great music, of course, and it is another Toby-related thing. Mm-hmm. What are the rankings sitting for you guys? I think there's definitely a lot to look at that's exclusive to this episode. I kind of like how Toby bookends it quite nicely. We see mm. Toby at the start and at the end. Uh, very much like Down the Mine, which we'll look at later, Gordon kind of bookends that story too, um, which is a bit of an Audreyism in several stories, but it definitely works here to its favour. James, uh, yeah, critiques Toby on his appearance and then he kind of gets his own back and then he goes, oh, maybe I was wrong about this. Yeah, yeah uh, maybe I shouldn't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, but it, one, one of the other uh, things that's really worth noting is the character arc development for James between Charles and Trucks in here and the fat controls Mark when he says, fancy you letting your trucks run away, I am surprised. Mm. Um, it's quite interesting seeing him going on this riding success from Troublesome Trucks and then hitting rock bottom. And he's uh, going to be painted blue now, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's bound <laughs> to happen. Uh, but, yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff here. So I'm definitely... It's not high as what I rang Toby and the Stout Gentleman, but i definitely give it maybe a 7.5. Mm. Okay. For, for me, it's a definite 7. You know, again, the crash is a little bit disappointing for me. It's like a beautiful crash. You see dented tile wagons, everything, but you don't actually see it. Mm. Which, you know, the little pyromaniac and, you know, <laughs> chaos... <laughs> You know, being inside of me really wants to see, much like with Flying Kipper. However, it is a really sweet episode. It's got great music. As you say, Denim, Toby bookends it well. But it is a more James episode instead of a Toby episode. Mm. Um, Which is sort of the first hints of the trilogy is sort of coming to an end or being unravelled. Yeah. Um, Much like in Series 2. What about you, Parry? Well, it would be fitting if I gave this episode a seven, because after all, it is a Toby episode, but I'm actually going to give it an eight. Ooh. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this one. I enjoy seeing the crash. I enjoy seeing James get his comeuppance. And, you know, even though it doesn't really develop his prejudice towards Toby all that well, it's just sort of thrown upon us. You, you know, it, it's still a good episode. It is it a is. good episode. Absolutely. That has brought us to the end of episode seven of Right on Track podcast. How Uh, about that? We talked about Toby in episode seven. I know. (laughs) It's almost like we planned this. We don't, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a happy accident. It It is. is. They happen. But... Uh, next time we are going to be reviewing the end of series one. That it's indeed been a we journey. Are. It has. This, I'm actually quite proud of us. Well mm. done, team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a crackerjack of an episode. If you have any uh, thoughts and opinions, or if you want to just follow us on social media, you can find us at Right on Track Thomas on Twitter. You can find us at T-T-T-E underscore Ride on Track on Instagram and you can also email us at rideontrackthomas at gmail.com and Ride on Track a Thomas podcast on Facebook. Indeed you can. We've and all the socials. <laughs> we are and of course we're on Omni I believe we're on Spotify Spotify, well. Google Play and I, iTunes. I should yeah. know what streaming <laughs> services we're on but anyway. We're on all the streaming services. You can find us on all your podcast apps wherever you get your podcasts and uh, soon we may delve into the YouTube land. We're not too sure yet but uh, definitely stick on that like a bit of a tar wagon. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, next time we'll be reviewing um, Would you like me to jump in here, Connor? Yes, please. <laughs> we are reviewing Off the Rails, Down the Mine, and Thomas's Christmas fa- Party, which is the finale. Were you going to say Thomas's Christmas Party no. Oh, dear. Oh, that's an interesting parody. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry for all the mistakes I've made in this episode, but anyhow. Nah, anyhow. it's all good. We're only human. We're we not are. metal and wood machines powered by coal and water and magic sparkle dust (laughs) magic sparkle sparkle (laughs) (laughs) anyways this has been the Ryan Tracker podcast I'm still Connor I'm still Parry I'm still 
think I'm still denim. Well, we're pretty sure you're still denim. <laughs> good. Next time we'll call you Tom. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Adios.